We're continuing in our God Chose series today, and today we're going to be talking about God Chose Grace. So for two weeks, uh, I wasn't in my office. I was away in California um, uh, just before Easter, and so I uh, went to my office on Monday morning. I sat at my desk, and there was uh, a bunch of mail to open. So as I was opening the mail, um, there was a letter from my life insurance agent. It's not always a great letter to have from your life insurance agent. You're like, well, what's going on? But as I opened it, it was a letter to thank me for renewing my life insurance that week. And it was a letter that he wrote on St. Patrick's Day. So the letter was all green and, you know, had like, like, like clovers on and stuff like that. But attached to the letter was something that I'm not particularly fond of, um, something I don't particularly agree with myself, but it was a lottery scratch card. And uh, basically, it was like, thank, the letter was thanking me for renewing my life insurance, and because it was St. Patrick's Day on the lottery scratch card, it says, I hope you're feeling lucky. And so I've actually never bought a lottery ticket in my life, never bought a lottery scratch card. Uh, I think it's a big scam. I think uh, basically poor people buy it and, uh, and they get even poorer because nobody really wins uh, at the lottery. And so I don't really like it very much. So I really didn't know what to do with this scratch card. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, what do you do? I'm like, okay, I think you have to scratch off because it's called a scratch card. So I looked through my wallet, tried to find some change. I couldn't find any change. So I just get my keys out in the end. I'm like, I hope this works. So I start scratching this, this, uh, this lottery card. And at the top, it says, match three numbers to win. So the first one I scratch off, it says 2,000. I'm like, whoa, this is pretty good. This is going well. <laughs> then the next one I scratch off was a five. And then I scratch off another one into five. Then I scratch off a two. And then the last one I scratch off, it says five. I'm like, whoa, I think I won. I think I won the lottery. I'm like, I'm amazed. And so I'm reading the rules to see, and it says, match three to win. And so I'm like, great, I've just won the lottery. And I'm like, I didn't even buy this card. I don't agree with the lottery, but I bought, I won the lottery. And so not ever playing the lottery before, I didn't even know what to do. So I turn the scratch card over, and I'm reading through the back, and it says, you know, if you've matched any numbers, then take it to a local uh, place that sells the lottery, that sells scratch cards, and uh, that they will then, ca- you can cash it in and they can give you your money. So I'm like, okay, so let's try this. So I put the, the scratch card in my wallet and I went by my day. And later that day, I was putting some gas in at Wawa. And as I'm putting gas, I look over at the window and there's a sign that says lottery, lotto. And so I'm like, oh, great. So I walked in and I passed the lady this scratch card. And, uh, and I said, I think I won. I want to cash it in. And she says, fine. So she went over to... The, the lottery cash register, and she pulls out this $5 bill, and she gave it to me. I'm like, so I said, well, do you need to see my license or anything? Do you need to check I'm a valid winner? I didn't cheat or anything like that. <laughs> she was like, no. She goes, that's for you. Have a great day. I'm like, great, free money. So I went back, and I sat in my car, and for a few minutes, I just looked at this $5 bill. And I didn't know what to do with it. I felt like I cheated somebody in having this. Because it was free money. I felt like I need to give it away. I'm like, I don't know what to do with it. I can't spend it. I never earned it. I didn't deserve it. So I, I, I don't know what to do with it. And I sat there and I just looked at it. Because nobody has ever given me free money before. Did you know that? 
My parents never gave me an allowance. I always had to work for it. When I was 12 years old, I got myself a paper round. I always worked. Every dime I have ever had in my life, I have earned it or worked for it. The only time really I hadn't was when I was young and it was my birthday and I'd get birthday cards and like kind uncles and aunts would put some money in my birthday card. But then I felt like I deserved it because it was my birthday, right? So it wasn't really like free money because I deserved it. And so I never had free money in my life before. And as I looked at this $5 bill, I had no idea what to do with it. And this is the problem many of us have with God. Because God gives free gifts and we don't always like to accept Now, you may say, hey, Alex, if someone offered me a $5 bill, a whopping $5 bill, then I'm going to accept it. And you may do, but when God gives his free gifts to you, so often we reject them. We find it hard to receive God's free gifts because we think there is either a catch or we do not deserve God's free gifts to us. And one of the free gifts that God gives to us is something called grace. It's a Christian term that we use, and lots of people use it in different contexts. But the word grace can be defined as God's unmerited, unmerited favor towards you. God's unmerited favor towards you means God has favor towards you, and you did not deserve it. It is a free gift From God towards you, you didn't earn it, you didn't work for it, and you do not deserve it, but yet God gives it to you. And many of us have a hard time because we think there's a catch in receiving free gifts. Now grace, without grace, this Christian life is impossible. Without grace, you will never be able to please God. Without grace, you will never be able to overcome sin. Without grace, you will never be able to experience the life-changing power, love, joy, and rest that there is in Jesus Christ. Without grace, it is impossible. Grace is God's choice for you. Actually, I think it's God's birthday gift towards you. The Bible tells us that you must be born again of the Spirit of God. Paul tells us in John that you must be born again of the Spirit of God. And when you are born again of the Spirit of God, then we receive this grace. It's God's birthday gift towards you. It's a free gift from God. Did you know, actually, that grace is the oxygen to the Christian faith? Without grace, you cannot survive in this journey of faith because grace is the oxygen to the Christian faith. And so what we're going to do this morning, we're going to peel back the layers of grace and we're going to start to understand what grace is and how grace works in our lives. Because many of us, we've heard the term grace, we've even used the term grace, but a lot of us, we do not understand what grace is and what impact grace makes into your life. And so this morning we're going to look at four things about what grace is and what grace does to our lives to show that it is the oxygen to our Christian life. So the first thing is this, in regards to grace. It is not what you do that will save you, it is what you accept. It's not what you do that will save you, it is what you accept. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. 
Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to start reading at verse 1. This is what it says. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. The commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. That was the situation that we found ourselves in, and it was a bad situation. We were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. But then verse 4, it says this, But... God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he, meaning God, gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Then it says this, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. And then let's fast forward to verse 8. Verse 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece, and he created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So just from that scripture there that we read in Ephesians, there is a fact, and this is the fact. You were dead. You were dead. The Bible says, because of your sin, you were dead. Your soul was dead. Did you know that a dead person cannot raise themselves to life? Do you know that? A dead person cannot raise themselves to life. One of my biggest fears in the world is being buried in a coffin. Because I fear that I'm going to wake up like six feet under and it's like, "Ah, I can't get out. But a dead person cannot raise themselves to life. Once you are dead, that's it. Finito. No more breath. Eyes rolled back in your head. Like no more movement at all. You are dead. And the Bible tells us because of our sin, we were dead in our soul. One of my favorite movies is the movie called Runnings. It's about a Jamaican bobsleigh team. And it goes through the, the perils of what they did and often they crashed the bobsleigh and whenever they crashed one of the guys would say to the other, hey man you're dead? He's like, yeah man I'm dead. And that's exactly what you were. You were dead because of your sin. And last week we talked about God choosing you and how God chose resurrected life and why we need the resurrected life. And this is exactly why we need the resurrected life because sin killed your soul. Sin killed your soul and you need the resurrected life of Jesus to come back to life. Now this is the problem that we have. We think by doing good, by living a moral life, 
by going to church, by praying, by reading our Bible, by staying faithful to our spouse, by raising up good moral kids, teaching them right or wrong, we often think that saves us. We think that's enough. And while those are good things, and I encourage you to live that way, that kind of life, the reality is they have no impact on your soul at all because your soul was dead and those, those things cannot raise your soul back to life. And many people, they have a hard time with this. Because we think that we can work to being right with God. We think that we can work to, 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 to being a better person. And just like me, I did not have a clue what to do with this $5 bill. Many of us, when it comes to God's free gift of grace, we have no idea what to do with it. See, we become stubborn. We don't understand it. And that we reject the reality of grace for it seems too easy. It doesn't make sense to us. So several years ago, we were around a friend's house and we were having dinner. And they had invited some other friends of theirs who we did not know. And they came over. And as they came over, they were talking about recipes. Not really my forte or anything like that. But they were talking about recipes. And the one guy who had come over... He says, oh, in that recipe, I love to put this ingredient in. It's called Worcestershire sauce. And he starts talking about Worcestershire sauce. And the more he's talking about it, the more I'm like, he's saying it wrong, he's saying it wrong. And so I spoke up, I said, excuse me, not to be rude or anything, but it's not Worcestershire sauce. It's actually pronounced Worcestershire sauce. And he said... No, 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 it's not. No, it's not. It's pronounced Worcestershire sauce. How many syllables he's using? I have no idea. But it was like a mouthful just to say it. And I said, no, 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 it's not. It's Worcestershire sauce. And he starts saying, no, 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 everybody knows it's Worcestershire sauce. It even says on there, Worcestershire sauce. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. I said, it's Worcestershire sauce. I said, let me explain. I said, I was born a mile away from the Lee and Perrins Worcestershire sauce factory in Worcester, in the county of Worcestershire, England. (laughs) And he says, no, man, you're not right. It's Worcestershire sauce. And in the end, I was like, I'm never going to win this argument. I'm like, okay, dude, you're right. It's Worcestershire sauce. And that is what so many of us are like with grace. We don't understand it, so we reject it. See, the reality is, if you actually look at Worcestershire sauce, it actually says Worcestershire sauce. But this English language is so whack that, you know, that we mess up words all the time. But the reality is, is even though that's what he saw, that wasn't the reality. It was Worcestershire sauce, and we do that with grace all the time. See, it is only because God chose grace that you can have new life. It's not what you can work for. It's not what you can earn for it. It's not what you deserve, but it's God's free gift to you. And the quicker that we accept, it's not what you can do that will save you. It's what you accept, and that is God's grace. The quicker that you can discover the power and the life and the resurrection and the peace and the joy and the love that there is through the life of Jesus Christ. It's only through grace that you can receive that. Second thing this morning, help is found at the source. 
Help is found at the source. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 tells us this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. So the writer of Hebrews is telling us, let us come boldly to the throne of God, the throne room of God, that's where God sits. And there we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. So many of us, we have an issue with this. Because when we do wrong, we don't want to come to God, we want to hide from God. We think that God doesn't want to be with us because we've done wrong. So when we first got married, our first disagreement, I'll say, as a married couple. I don't even know what we were disagreeing about, probably like some dishes or something like that. But we had this disagreement, and I'm, I was always kind of this like peacemaker kind of person. I never wanted to confront. I never wanted anybody to fight. Everybody wanted to be in harmony all the time. And so we had this disagreement. Well, what did I do? Uh, as soon as, you know, I, I, I saw my moment, I went out the door. I got in my car. I drove to the nearest Hallmark store. And I bought an expensive card and I spent about 50 bucks on just junk with saying like things, I love you, I forgive me, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you can easily do that in the Hallmark store. Then I went and bought some flowers and I came home and I said to my wife, I said, I'm sorry, here, here's some gifts. And I give her a card and I give her all the gifts and I give her the flowers and I'm thinking, that's it, that's it, the argument's over, no more arguments. She turns to me and she says, I'm still mad with you, you know, because women do that kind of thing, right, you know? She says, it's not about the gifts. She says, she said, I want us to talk, talk this thing through. I said, yeah, but look at the gifts I went and bought you. I went and spent like 70 bucks on you. And she says, you know, if you do this every time we have an argument, she goes, we're going to be broke. And I'm thinking, we're going to have more arguments, And this is what happened. A wrong had happened, and immediately I wanted to right it. A wrong had happened, and I wanted to balance it out to do something good. See, when we do something wrong, we want to do something good to make ourselves feel better. And that's what I wanted to do. But the reality is, 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 is Raquel didn't want gifts. She wanted us to talk about it. She wanted us to come closer through this disagreement. And that's exactly what God does with you. God does not want you when you do wrong just to go out and do a bunch of good works to make yourself feel good. To go right the wrong, you will never be able to right the wrong. This is what God wants you to do. He wants you to come boldly to his throne and he wants you to to, to come into his presence and get closer to him even when you do wrong. It means loving on God even when we have done wrong. See, the Bible tells us that mercy and help comes from being in the presence of God. So my son Evan, he's at this great age where he's got his own little personality and he's understanding right from wrong. Doesn't understand all the time, but he understands no. But he understands that when he really has done something wrong, that he's upset somebody or upset his mom or his dad. This is what he does. 
He's like normally like just standing up, peeking around, looking around. And then he does something wrong and he starts to cry. He gets down on his knees. He crawls over to his mom or his dad. And suddenly he starts clinging to us. Because that's what babies do. When babies are upset, whether they've been done right or wrong, they want their mom and their dad. Now, when he's about two years old, that's not going to happen anymore. He's probably going to hide himself in a room in shame, and he's not going to come out. He's going to hide behind the couch, and he's not going to want to see us. I know when I was a kid, when I did wrong, my mom used to always say, wait till your father comes home. And it could be like six o'clock in the evening, but I would just go up to bed and put my head under the covers because I know my dad would never spank me while I'm asleep. So I would like try to hide from my dad. And that's the difference between a Christian who understands grace and somebody who doesn't understand grace. A Christian who understands grace is like my son Evan. He comes to his daddy and even though he's done wrong, he wants to embrace his daddy, his father, and get close to his mom and his dad. Because that's what grace does. We understand when we do wrong, we come to God. And it's by coming to God that his grace helps us. But so often, we're like the child who tries to hide. And we try to hide away. And God never wants you to get into that place of shame. He wants you to come close to him, whether you have done right or wrong. God does not love you any less when you do wrong. Did you know that? God does not love you any less when you have done wrong. But his solution is that you would come boldly to him so that you would experience his grace. Help is found at the source. Third thing this morning. Grace crowds out sin. Grace crowds out sin. So the second car I ever purchased was a car called, French car, called a Renault Megane. It was this sporty little car, and uh, I loved it, and a couple of weeks after I got it, it was really quick. I took it into the north of England one night along this like uh, highway that nobody was on, and I was there with my best friend, and I took it up to 135 miles an hour. It was the stupidest thing I ever did, but uh, my car never survived after that. It always had like a missed time after that. I like pushed it a little too far. But a couple of years after my car, after I bought my car, it started making this funny noise. Like the exhaust would make a funny noise all the time. And I kept taking it to the mechanic and they were like, we're not really sure what it is, but your car's fine. It just makes this weird noise. And so I would drive along and all I'd hear is this noise. And it would, I would just focus on this noise and it would make me stressed out because I'm like, oh, we need to fix it. I'm going to spend more money fixing it. So I did what everybody else does when there's a noise in your car. What did I do? I turned up the radio. So I could block out the noise. And this was when I was single and I'd take girls out in my car, you know, and, and I'd turn the radio up because I didn't want to, the embarrassment and this clunking noise going on. And they'd get in my car and they're like, why is the radio so loud? I'm like, yeah, and it's so cool how loud the radio is and stuff. But the reality was, is I was trying to hide this noise. But the reason I wanted to hide the noise is because then I wouldn't think about the noise that was going on. Probably not the best solution for a car, but... What sin does to our life, it makes this loud noise in our lives. And it becomes louder and louder. And the louder it becomes, the more we focus on it. And the more we focus on it, the more we try to fight it in our own strength. And the more we fight it in our own strength, the more sin just lights up. Its eyes light up because it understands that we are weaker than the sin. 
And so the more we fight it, the more we come are susceptible to the sin and it takes control of our lives. But this is what grace does. Romans chapter 5 verse 20 and 21. It says God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But God's but people but the more people sinned more and more God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So this is what this is what it, this is what Romans is saying. That sin is like this loud, annoying noise. It tries us to make us to focus on it, to think about it, to fight it. But the Bible tells us that when we come boldly into the presence of God, God's grace starts to overwhelm sin. God's grace over comes sin. God's grace suffocates sin. It's almost like switching the radio up so you can't hear the noise of sin anymore. See, when we keep fighting sin in our own power, do you know what happens? It keeps kicking our butt. And some of you, you're struggling with sin in your life and you're fighting it and fighting it and fighting it and it keeps kicking your butt time and time and time again. But when we come into the presence of God, then, then grace comes and it starts to overcrowd sin and it starts to suffocate sin and it overwhelms sin. It does like a roundhouse kick on sin and it squeezes the air out of sin. So sin cannot survive in your life anymore because grace crowds out sin the last thing I want to say about grace this morning is this grace is a fever to your soul so let it fight infection grace is a fever to your soul so let it fight infection in the book of Titus chapter 2 it's taken from the English standard version Verses 11 to 14, I love what it says. For it says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify himself for a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. This is what Titus is saying. The grace of God doesn't just save us it doesn't just forgive us it doesn't just fight for us but the grace of God it trains us to become like Christ 
Do you see that? It says training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. In this present age, if ever we needed the grace of God to show us how to live, it is now in our present age. See, this is what grace does. It gives you the tools to overcome in this journey of faith. Have you noticed people who have been on this journey of faith a long time, not everybody, but the majority, they find it a lot easier to say no to sin than somebody who has just begun this journey of faith. Why is that? It's because what Titus calls the ministry of grace has been ministering and working in their life longer, training them to say no to the sins of this world. So two weeks ago, I was in California and I got super sick, like really sick. Got a huge high fever, traveled all the way back from California with a high fever. And then the week leading up to Easter, I was in bed for four days. My fever topped out on Good Friday at 104. It was crazy. I've never had a fever like that in my life. I've been sick, you know, for a couple of weeks, but never been like that before. Didn't know what to do with myself. And so... When you go through a situation like that, what do you do? Like most people, you Google it, right? So I'm Googling high fever. Like we've experienced it with my son fevers, but I've never experienced a high fever. And 104, I was like, whoa, that seems a little high. So I'm Googling fevers. And this is what I discover as I'm Googling. Not everything on Google is right, by the way, just to let you know. But I discover that a fever is not a bad thing. Actually, a fever is a good thing in your life. See, what a fever does, it is your body's natural way to increase your body temperature because your body has an infection and your body knows it. And so by increasing the body temperature, your body is trying to kill that infection. And so obviously I had an infection and my body was naturally, the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the fact that our body naturally fights against infection is a wonderful thing. But yet when we get a fever, what do we do? We take some pills, right? Because we want to reduce the fever. We take some Tylenol or, you know, some ibuprofen or, you know, take some NyQuil or DayQuil or, you know, all the other quills that are out there. Because we try to reduce the fever. But this is what we're doing. We're fighting against our body's natural way of fighting against infection. And so that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to reduce the fever. But the more I was reading about it, the more even though I I felt as sick as I could be, the more I realized that my body was naturally fighting against this infection. And this is exactly what grace does in our lives. Grace will fight against the sin in your life. Grace will fight uh, against what the enemy tries to destroy you with. And it's only through the grace working in and through us that it will fight the infection of sin. But this is what we keep doing. We keep in our lives, keep popping the pills to reduce the grace. We keep trying to work to make ourselves a better person. 
we keep trying to right the wrongs that we keep doing, even though we'll never balance it out. We sin, and so that, what do we do then? Then we feel that we have to do all these good things. We do something wrong, and we keep trying to earn it and work our way towards it. But this is the problem. The infection is so bad that you will never be able to do it by yourself. It is only by grace coming in that grace will be able to take away the infection. And this is what grace is. Grace is about bowing. Grace is about giving up. Grace is about confessing your sin. Grace is about admitting you can't do it yourself. Grace is about stop fighting and accepting that we are sinful, dead people. And it's only through the resurrected life of Jesus Christ that we can receive life. And that is because God chose grace for you. And the problem for so many of us is this. We are not experiencing the ministry of grace because we are fighting against it. We're not experiencing the work of grace in our lives because we keep trying to do it by ourselves. And we keep pushing grace down. See, only grace will defeat sin. And grace is found by accepting it as a free gift from God. Grace is found by coming boldly into the presence of God. Coming into the arms of your Abba Father, as the Bible says it. Almost like your daddy coming and and grabbing his arms. And then letting the ministry of grace train you and build you up so that you can stand against sin on that journey of faith. So even though I feel really uncomfortable keeping this $5 bill because I didn't earn it, I didn't work for it, I didn't deserve it, I've decided for the time being, I'm going to keep this $5 bill in my wallet because it reminds me of God's grace in our lives. And some of you, you've been fighting sin for far too long. You've been fighting an addiction for far too long. You've been fighting just the the lusts of this world for far too long. You've been fighting some emotional issues for far too long. And you keep trying to do it yourself and doing it yourself. And you keep trying to work and, and trying to counter what you're doing wrong by doing good. And the problem is, is the sin just gets worse and worse and worse. But the Bible tells us that where sin abounds, God grace abounds even more. And that is because God's grace is the key to your sin, not what you can do. So today, quit fighting. Quit working. Quit trying to become better yourself. And let the grace and the mercy of God work in your lives. Because it's only through his grace that you'll be able to overcome sin in your life. Let's bow our heads in prayer.